You're listening to Discovering Multifamily, where we discuss all educational topics in commercial real estate with an emphasis on multifamily apartment investing via syndication. And now your hosts, former NFL fullback Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Discovering Multifamily podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Scandariato with Red Knight Properties. And today we have a very special guest with us, uh, Sterling White. You may have seen him on uh, Bigger Pockets. He's a top Bigger Pockets contributor, uh, a renowned book author. He's actually uh, written a book from zero to 400 units. Uh, he's a former world record attemptee, which I want to hear a little bit more about. And he has his own podcast as well, which actually hit the number one spot on the investing category, the Real Estate Experience podcast. And he's been interviewed by Grant Cardone, uh, a pretty well-known um, multifamily investor that specializes in value-add apartments, particularly particularly in Indianapolis and the Midwestern markets. Uh, Sterling has about $20 million under management, potentially even more now with a company he founded called Sonder Investment Group. So we want to hear more about Sterling's background. And additionally, this will be focused, this podcast will be focused on his unique approach to finding off-market multifamily deals, because that's where the real value is uh, found um, through, you know, uh, tapping a market and he does it in a very unique way. So Sterling, thanks for coming on the show. For sure. And those of you who are on here, get your popcorn ready, strap in your seatbelts because we're about to go on the roller coaster uh, straight <laughs> <Right>. up. <laughs> Looking forward to it, Sterling. That's why we have you on. So Sterling, can you just talk to us about how you got started. Talk to us about your Bigger Pockets, your book, The World Record. I want to hear all about it. Oh, gosh. There's quite a bit to unpack there. But uh, just going <laughs> back to my childhood, and I'll give everyone just a cliff note version. Born and raised, not so good parts of the city. Uh, where fraternal twin brother, single mother, neighborhood we grew up in. We grew up on subsidi- uh, government assistance. So Section 8 housing, food stamps. And I remember one instance where my brother and I were actually sitting down at one of those, we were about six years old in the dining room area, eating Roman noodles and cut up hot dogs. And as soon as we get done eating, we go upstairs and a bullet comes right through the back patio where we were sitting. So I may not be here. He may not be here. Uh, However, decided to use that as fuel versus being a product of my environment. Got started in entrepreneurship, early days, elementary uh, selling Kool-Aid to kids uh, across the within the classes and in between classes. Uh, in addition to that, Pokemon cards. And how I got started to in real estate was in 2009 uh, as a laborer, where very similar times where the market was not the, the greatest, but that's how I got my foot in the door. Shortly after, transitioned to uh, single family home investing. 23 years old, bought my very first property, scaled up to 150 single families, and entirely shifted to multi-family in 2017. So as you mentioned earlier, have under uh, 400 units and have exited out of those, uh, all of the single family. So that's the cliff note version. That's a remarkable story. So talk to us about um, the single family to multifamily transition. Everyone. <laughs> yeah, and, and how are you able to, to scale into the multifamily so quickly you know, you got over 400 units now. Um, and how are you, how are you able to find those deals? Yeah, I would say the, the primary focus has been off market. All the deals that I've acquired have been off market, uh, direct to owner, uh, have nurtured those relationships with brokers. But the, in terms of the numbers, 
just hasn't penciled out. So decided to take destiny into her own hands and go direct. And what does that mean when you go direct? Uh, so it is, uh, and most, some people, well, not very often people get the misconception. It is not when the broker sends you over a deal, then you go around the broker and then go direct to the owner. It's more of just building your own list. So prospecting, let's say in Indianapolis, Indiana, I want all the deals that are 75 to the uh, apartments that are 75 to 200 units that are what you would call workforce housing. So market rate rents between 700 to a thousand. So I will pull all of those specific properties, find who the owner is of those. And just my, my trend channel that I use is cold call. So reach out to them and say, Hey, would you consider an offer on your property? And how effective is that versus, you know, direct mail and some other strategies, you know, other real estate operators use? I would say it is as effective as the person that is implementing it. <laughs> so as long as you are consistent, uh, the, the follow-up is key, uh, that it is very effective, but it just comes down to a numbers game. It's, you have to call a owner, and this was one uh, apartment in Louisville, uh, this was 80 units. It took the seventh time of reaching out to the decision maker just to get in contact with them. They weren't interested, and it took an additional five months of follow-up for them not being interested to them being interested in getting them at the right time. Sure. Yeah, timing is key, especially in the minds of some sellers. So uh, how do you find owner's information? Oh, it's all public record. <laughs> so if it's owned in some owners, especially more so mom and pops will actually put it in their personal name. However, if it's owned in an entity, then you can skip trace. You can use Google as one phenomenal source. And there are certain directories that you look for in order to find who the uh, manager, uh, the, the operator of that entity, or you can go, well, here in Indianapolis, Marion County, you can see who filed the ar articles of organization. And typically it's the manager. Sometimes you'll have an attorney, but oftentimes it's the actual operator who files it. And then there you go. So Sterling, you talk a lot about persistence. So who is actually making those calls? Is it you or do you have a staff? How are you managing um, your leads for off-market properties efficiently? So formerly it was myself <laughs> that was doing all that. And it is full-time in itself among everything else that I was doing for my, my, my company. And uh, so, so with that, this is what brokers do on a full-time basis. So I, I ended up putting a process in place and procedures, KPIs. And then from that standpoint, I ended up plugging someone in. Uh, that way now I have various roles. So there's a researcher, the one that identifies all the properties, skip traces to find who the owner is and their contact information. Then I have a cold caller and cold callers that place all the calls to find someone who raises their hand who is interested in selling. And then they set the appointment with me. Interesting. Is there any other strategies you guys use, like in terms of calling, you know, the sign that says for rent to try to get to the owner? Is that effective or do you just kind of try to skip that and reach the owner's cell phone essentially? Um, you know, and, and does that, does it take a while to get to the owner specifically or do you have to reach some other channels first? Yeah, some, sometimes you have to get really creative in terms of getting in touch with the, the, the decision maker. And it could be they've put multiple layers underneath themselves or maybe they're in a, a organization as well. And you want to talk, 
talk to the actual person who is the going to be the one that says, okay, yeah, let's sell the, the property. So in essence, I go to a database such as either CoStar or Reonomy, and I pull those. Uh, and the, the way I filter it is properties that have not sold in the past five years. Uh, so from that is I have that, uh, that data, and then that's when we have the researcher go through it. Uh, and then that's when we start to place the outbound calls. Got it. Yeah, that that makes sense. So what do you say? Do you have a script when you're talking to these owners? Yeah, so everything is scripted and it's depending on the actual scenario and whether we're talking to a gatekeeper, whether we're talking to the decision maker, whether we're just talking to some person in general. But when reaching out, it'll be uh, and this is what I do with our team. We role play on a daily basis. Uh, It's very similar how I talk about it uh, like a sports team. Tom Brady, for instance, love or hate him, whoever's on here, is that they practice before they actually get on the field. So it's the same with role-playing with our team. Uh, So in essence, uh, a typical call will go, uh, ring, 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 Uh, this is Sterling here, it's on your investment group. Uh, Anthony, did I catch you at a bad time? uh, Many of the times, the person on the other end will say, "Ah, well, it depends on what this is regarding. Gotcha, completely understand, and I'm sure you get these types of calls all the time. Uh, the reason for the call is I just bought Bentwood Apartments across the street from yours and wanted a person to reach out to see if you consider an offer on your property. So, so very transparent, straight to the point. Of course, it'd be a different script if I had if I didn't purchase the property across the street, but it, it's quite a bit of moving parts and it's an art. Right. So does that work in, you know, mar- new markets you're trying to explore and, and get into? Like, what would you say, you know, in Ohio, if you're not already in Ohio? Cincinnati, for example. Um, so, so it'd be more of a broad script, meaning that, hey, just wanted a person to reach out to you. I, I'm currently buying apartments uh, with cash and uh, over uh, apartments that are over 75 units. Would you consider an offer on your property? So it's, it, you would just tweak it a little bit there uh, and go a little bit more higher level. Got it. Okay. Has there been... I'd love to hear just a little case study. Has there been a time where you called an owner once and they were like, yeah, I'm interested. And you went through the whole process and you able you were able to close on it. No, I wish <laughs> <laughs> there has been individuals. I wouldn't say on the first call, but the let's say six or seven to 10th and then got in touch with them. They are more lenient to say, yeah, we have uh, expressed some interest in selling. Uh, right now, it's been a little bit more of a, a pain point for us. But still, with these uh, apartments, the cycles are longer uh, because you're, these are multi-million dollar uh, uh, deals. And then also the, the, the due diligence and the closing can take 90 days. Yeah, so that, that's the moving uh, parts, I would say, with that. But no, I haven't had anyone on the first, first go around. Yeah, we're, we're good to go in terms of selling. So I'm going to kind of pivot just a little bit, just to have a little bit of fun on this show. So what, what was the world record? Oh, yes. So the world record was the world's fastest fireman carrying. I'm not a fireman uh, for anyone who's on here, but it's the world's fastest fireman carry mile. So what that means is if someone, I'm trying to think of, if you've watched, I believe it's Hack, Hacksaw Ridge, but it's carrying someone in a fireman's position over your shoulder that is the equivalent weight and I had to beat the a mile time run run the mile uh, under 11 minutes and 11 and a half seconds 
Wow, that's uh, that's pretty hard. So what did you come in at? So in essence, and this was a whole <laughs> journey in itself. So to to speed up the whole story, I ended up dropping the person at the 800 meter mark, which is halfway through the attempt. And the thing was for whoever's on here, I picked that goal as a way to scare the living crap out of myself and stretch, uh, stretch uh, me ultimately and put me out of my comfort zone. And then a week prior to the actual event, the person I had been training with actually backed out. Uh, so I ended up having to find a replacement uh, that w- within that very short uh, time frame. Either way, I, I, I wouldn't have made the attempt. But in essence, that's just for everyone who's on here is always figuring it out. And I knew that I still had to end up pushing through. And through this whole training, there was so many mental things that I had to go through, such as throwing, there's no way that you can do this attempt. You're going to fail all these things. And when I dropped that person and at that scale, there was newscasters, there was friends and family that were there and I dropped them. Uh, that, that means the attempt is over. And I realized that failing on this scale is not so bad. Yeah, no, especially for getting that far, I, I couldn't even imagine. Um, so how is that, you know, it's not, as you said, a really big goal for yourself there. And I'm assuming you, you sound just from talking to you, kind of a fearless person, cold calling, you know, sellers that own, you know, millions of dollars in real estate and they don't even know you and you're able to convince them to, to sell uh, to you. Um, what would you say to someone new that maybe doesn't have, you know, the 400 units that you do um, that are, you know, maybe they have 50, maybe they have zero. How do they get in touch with sellers? Is the approach any different or is it the same? The approach would be the same. So the very first deal, and I actually, uh, earlier I'll have to backpedal like I'm a, a defensive back in the uh, NFL. So the very first deal, which was a 46 unit, when I skipped from single family to multifamily, that owner, when I reached out to them, they were actually motivated when I called them and that was their very last their very last apartment that they were selling. And so in essence, when someone who's starting at zero units, I took the driving for dollars approach. And then from there is if you're starting at zero, in addition to that is if you have a mentor that you can leverage their track record, that's also something too. Uh, if you're at zero units, you can leverage their track record. However, if you have 50 units, then it's just all sales. You have to sell that person on why you're the right buyer for the deal. Which makes a lot of sense. Could you talk about how you did your, what was like the first larger deal you did and how, how you came across the deal? Um, I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, so took the driving for dollars approach uh, on the near south side of Indianapolis and uh, through that determined what the buying criteria is. So we knew we wanted to be anywhere between about 20 to 50 units. Uh, found this property that needed work. And then from there, uh, pulled the public record. So I was owning an LLC and then did some digging and found who that owner was and picked up the phone. And in essence was this person actually formally listed the property, the, it expired. He actually listed it with his sister. And then we called him. It was one, 1. 1.4 million for the 46 units and needed work as mentioned and ended up talking him down to 900,000. We put down 200,000 and then raised an additional uh, 685,000 to take care of the improvements. Actually 485, raised the total of 685, but 200 of that went towards the down payment. Uh, okay, no, that's, that's very interesting. Um, 
How about the second deal? How did the second deal kind of unfold? That purchase price was actually 1.4 million. And on this one went the financing route. So went towards, uh, looked towards getting the Freddie Mac small balance loan. However, uh, what was this about 30 days or three weeks prior to a closing They actually pulled the rug said, no, we're not going to provide the financing. So on that deal, we raised all cash, which I would not recommend for someone uh, if that's the case, but ended up going full cycle in terms of on that very first 46 unit deal. Uh, also that 50 unit deal in terms of buying it, executing our business plan and then selling it. That's great. Was it the case where it had a lot of vacancy or there wasn't uh, a guarantor? Why wouldn't they lend on it? It was uncertain, but one of the things was the loan amount, the improvements were a little bit too much from their side. Got it. Okay. Very interesting. Um, so Sterling, we're, we're going to wind down the show a little bit now. Um, do you have a favorite, obviously, can you talk a little bit about your book from zero to 400 units? We're talking a little bit about it now. Yeah, I, I would say the, the book itself is one thing. I feel that everyone has a story, uh, every passerby, and that's actually what Sonder means in Sonder Investment Group is everyone has a vivid and distinct life that you encounter and uh, that you encounter. Uh, so with that is, it's just really my journey from my childhood uh, the traumas, the good, the bad, the ugly that I experienced there, how I got started to real estate and where I'm at today. Uh, and just really went through that journey to pull back the curtain of, hey, uh, what people see in terms of entrepreneurship and being an operator is not all glamorous. Uh, so, and it really just goes into the, how I was able to build my personal brand, start contributing the bigger pockets, uh, being on others' podcasts and really building the personal brand. So all facets of the business. That's great. How could people find your book? Uh, yeah. So what you'll do is you'll want to visit sterlingwhiteofficial.com. Uh, that is sterlingwhiteofficial.com. Awesome. Um, can you talk about your podcast? Yeah. So the real estate experience, which uh, if you haven't already subscribed to it, you'll definitely want to view that. And it's just more so going into deals such as the uh, we, we go into the actual numbers, do case studies. I talk, I go a little bit more in depth of the actual strategies that I do when I go back outbound the owners and also interview individuals such as yourself, uh, Anthony, other operators. So uh, people who are looking to just get started or also who are further along in their journey could still get insights and tactical things that they can use in their business to uh, become better. Excellent. Definitely check out that show. And do you have a mentor that kind of helped you, you know, guide you where you were, where you are today? Yeah, I would say my mentor when I shifted from the construction side to a single family was huge. And that mentor actually was a person uh, that I partnered with on my very first deal, uh, which was a single family house. They provided the uh, funds to purchase as well as the rehab and said, Sterling, go ahead and figure everything else out. I'll look over your shoulder and assist you along that journey. And that paid tenfold, uh, a lot more than my college education ended up doing, which I dropped out of college, but got so much out of that uh, mentorship. And I worked for that person for completely free. Yes, that is free, you guys. In return, got so much out of that. 
right? Those are usually the best learning experiences and kind of take you to the next level. Those uh, free <laughs> internships or externships, whatever you want to call them. Um, so very definitely valuable, especially for a young guy like yourself. Um, and so in, in closing here, uh, do you have any hobbies outside of, you know, uh, real estate and, um, you know, uh, influencing and what, what else do you, what else do you do for fun? Uh, that's just about it. No, I'm just, I, I'm kidding for those of people that are on here. I enjoy Spartan races. That's one thing uh, that gets me going. I'm into to fitness. Uh, in addition to that is ornithology, which is the study of birds. I'll go out and bird watch. I make sure that I no longer do that through uh, random neighborhoods where there's a good breeds of uh, birds because a guy going through the streets and neighborhoods with binoculars is not a good sight. <laughs> That's funny. So what's the best way for people to find you in, gen in general? Yeah, so my company website is sonderinvestmentgroup.com. One more time, that is sonderinvestmentgroup.com. And then also I am on the Instagram, which is Sterling White Official. Awesome. We'll have a link to Sterling's Instagram and website and podcast all in the comment section on our social media and also on our iTunes description so you can reach out to Sterling directly. Um, and definitely pick his brain and, and see what he's up to. Uh, so Sterling, really want to uh, thank you again for coming on our show and hope to have you on again soon. All righty. Perfect. Uh, enjoy everyone and keep being awesome. Thank you.